Welcome to the Public Speaking Experts Podcast with Elliot Kay and Jose Yukar. Every week we bring the tips, tools, and strategies for you to become a world-class public speaker. We bring you guests, experts, and authorities in the field of public speaking to enrich you and enhance your public speaking journey. Remember to subscribe, rate, and comment. And now, please welcome your hosts, Elliot and Jose. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. hello. Hola, hola, hola. Public expert. I sound a bit. I sound a bit muffly, Jose. Why do I sound muffly? Uh, you sound muffly because you are not a very good speaker. <laughs> there is that. There is that. Yes. Well, okay, okay. Elliot is wearing a mask. So the question is why? Because he's been coughing nonstop. So I ask him, look, would you, would you please wear a mask? Because you're getting on my nerves as usual. <laughs> That's not the reason either. There is something else, people, behind why. And I guess this would be an amazing opportunity to intro our guest. Or do we intro the topic first, Elliot? What, how are we we'll going to play the this? Topic first, but I'm going to take this mask off. We're wearing the mask as a joke because our guest currently is her a little slight virtual. It was it was a very silly joke, by the way. And I think so we play we played it way mask. too far. Yeah. So hold and, on. And the facial expression so I'm taking is my kind of going, well. "What have I let myself into? Why am I here when <laughs> I could not be here?" So there we go. We started with the mask. We thought it was funny. Clearly not. But there we go. We 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 get kudos for trying. Um, welcome to the Public Speaking Expert Podcast. We, we release a podcast every single Saturday. So if you're not already subscribed, commented, and of course, listening on a regular basis, make sure you do. And this episode, episode is being sponsored by the Ultimate Presentation Get Book List. And if you want to get yourself booked and you want to get yourself paid, make sure you go to www.speakerexpress.co.uk forward slash presentation hyphen checklist. We'll put that in the notes as well, but that is currently sponsoring the show. And I'm super excited about today's show. Do you know why I'm excited about today's show? Why am I excited about today's show? Tell me why I'm excited about today's show. Please tell us, tell everyone, tell the world one more time to our listeners, to people watching this on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on all the different platforms, Facebook. on all social media, all over the world, listening on replay. Why, Elliot K? Why are you so excited? Because I've been excited since the first time I knew, you know, we were going to have this incredible guest today and I got overexcited. And even when she said she couldn't make it, I even got more excited. So I don't know how excited I am anymore. And I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to drink a, a bit of coffee. Of excitement. It's like, like it's more excitement than, you know, when baby Jesus came for the first time to my life and dropped me a present. Well, baby Jesus is the, the Santa Claus version of Santa Claus. I've said it in Venezuela. So baby Jesus. Is it? Okay. Yeah, baby Jesus came to That's visit me. I, I was a baby as well, by the way. So it's not like a baby came to visit me. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I do love our episodes. I think they're always fun and interesting. Well, we have a legend on the show. We have an incredible guest and we have an expert in imposter syndrome. Now, if I had a pound for every time someone either showed an imposter syndrome or told me they have imposter syndrome, I think I'd be a multimillionaire. Uh, so I'd like to welcome Colleen onto the show. Colleen, Woo, Colleen. The legend herself. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Colleen. That's how happy we are to have you, Colleen. Thank you for coming on the show today. Um, we're super excited to interview you, and we're super excited to have you. I'm going to start off with a slightly Liet, quickly. Quickly, I think Colleen deserves not just a round of applause. But a huge, massive thank you, Colleen, because she yeah. she has got COVID, she and 
you are with us today despite that to show that you've got what it takes because as i said before elliot or myself we would be like here you are so thank you very much over to you elliot so colleen very quickly before i go in with my question do you want to tell our listeners viewers a little bit about yourself yeah so um i'm a psychotherapist first and foremost and i work predominantly with women although i do work with some men as well but mostly with women um and i help them to overcome uh, their mindset things such as imposter syndrome mental blocks um those things that are really standing in their way uh from living the life that they want or achieving their goals um i find it an incredibly rewarding work it's amazing to help people um to get to where they really want to be so that's just a very short intro about what i who i am and what i do amazing so i've got two questions for you to kick this off number one what is imposter syndrome Okay, so in a in a real nutshell, imposter syndrome is um, feeling like you're not as good as people think you are or say you are. Um, it's kind of just waiting for somebody to just tap you on your shoulder and say, "I'm so sorry, we've made a terrible mistake. Didn't really actually be here." So the other part of imposter syndrome is also feeling like you've got you are by some sort of luck or you were in the right place at the right it's, it's this feeling like you didn't get there on your own um, uh, skills or talent it's also very different to just plain old-fashioned self-doubt a lot of the time speak about imposter syndrome and they say they have it really what they're speaking about is self-doubt it is quite a big difference self-doubt is something we all experience really confidence itself grows out of competency and so when we go to do something for the first time it's new we're going to feel a little bit of self-doubt because we've never done it before but then the more we do it the more competent we become the more our confidence grows now with imposter syndrome that doesn't happen it's also to do with feelings of um, not feeling competent however because it's not based in any evidence it's more based in an realistic or um, not a real fear is that if you think about it from this if you feel like you are in your first year of work and you feel like you shouldn't be there so you you cheating them or you are uh, an imposter it's, it's a lot worse as the years go on because you feel the lie is getting bigger so instead of it actually getting better it actually gets worse so after 10 years of the job you feel like the lie has got even worse and that's why it actually gets bigger it's different to self-doubt because it's self-doubt it will eventually go away when you become more competent and with imposter syndrome it doesn't so that's really what it is in a nutshell fabulous my second question slightly controversial and then we'll move on is what do you say to those that say imposter syndrome doesn't exist I would I would say that certainly it's not helpful to the people who are experiencing it and of course um there is you know it's not just we we're not we're not just making this lot of studies around this um that show that people have these feelings I think where people say it's been made up is that so many people just overuse the term mm -hmm. and so people just think well everybody says they've got imposter syndrome and of course not it's a bit like dyslexia, have, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and also they, it's, it's... Like people can't spell, they go, I'm dyslexic. Well, yes. It's a completely different yes. thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's just a, it's a, it's a very overused word. Um, which I think, you know, that's why people start to sort of go, oh gosh, another one. But it really is a real thing. And there's a lot of studies that back it up. It's not just a made up, made up thing. Brilliant. Jose, you're doing your question, Bob. Over to you. He does this thing with his head when he's got a question. This is also nodding because I'm, I'm in agreement. I'm liking the answer. Usually when Elliot's speaking, I just go the other way around. So I just go like, <laughs> anyway, Colleen, thank you so much for that fantastic answer. And I think touching on this a bit more. So people may, I'm going to generalize, may overuse the term. And I've always believed that that's fine. You have a condition, but the more you repeat yourself that you've got imposter syndrome, it's the same as I'm not good at presenting. Uh, I hate doing something. And the more you repeat that on a daily basis, I personally believe that the, the greater the impact for the good or the bad that is going to have in your life, in your performance. So we as people seem to love adding labels to what we are, to our identity, to what we have. So what would you say to people that believe they've got imposter syndrome, whether they actually have it or not, what would be the first thing for them to consider, their first point of action in this case? So um, there are there are little tools that you can use to actually test yourself. There's a quiz that was actually put together by uh, someone called Pauline Clance, and she was the first um, researcher she's a psychologist she's still actually alive she, her first research paper into imposter syndrome she created a little quiz for you to test. so you could do the test um it's amazing how many people feel they've got imposter syndrome and then they do the test and realize they don't score that high and realize what they're experiencing is not imposter syndrome so there is something like that that can be done mm -hmm. i would also say that um when looking at if you have got it syndrome it would be look at your past experiences if you have gone to things before and felt self-doubt felt unsure but then as time went on you felt more confident then probably what you're experiencing was just good old-fashioned self-doubt like we all experience and so you have to go on your past track record is this something that keeps on rearing its head um, to a new project or whatever does it keep on coming in cycles um, because then it's probably something a little bit deeper than just self-doubt. Um, it's very much looking at your history, um, looking at how you view competency. You know, are your rules for competency um, realistic? And that's part of what imposter syndrome is, is that people's rule book for competency and what they believe makes them competent is actually really unrealistic um, and, and unattainable for most people. So it's looking at stuff like that. Okay. Thank you very much for that, Colleen. Elliot, I've got one more here, very much linked to what Colleen just shared. And then suggestions when it comes to that rule book that people have in terms of their comp competencies. What can they do differently starting today, listening to you? That test, I think it's key and it would be fantastic. Later on, we'll ask you for the link mm -hmm. to add it to the, to the description of the podcast. But then what would you say to people? This is what you could do starting now. Okay. So firstly, if you 
have imposter syndrome. Really, there are five types. And I know that sounds quite crazy, but really not all imposters view themselves in the same way or make mm -hmm. their competency or behave in the same, in the same way. way. Or where, absolutely, or behave in the same way. So there's a fallacy as well that um, more, more women struggle with imposter syndrome than men. And of course, all the late research shows that that's not true, just as many men struggle with it. It's just that the way it presents is a bit different. And women anecdotally speak about these things a bit more than men. Men maybe don't say mm. feeling. So it sounds like more women struggle with it, but it's not true. So the first thing to do is to look at these different types and then see which one you potentially fall back, fall into. So one of the types, which um, I think maybe there's quite a few people who can relate to this one, is the perfectionist. Um, yeah, that is a type. That It's not to say all perfectionists struggle with imposter syndrome, but it's the syndrome can show up for some people mm -hmm. so that's how you view competency you need to get everything right all of the time and if you don't then you can't be competent which makes you then feel like a failure which then makes you think that someone will tap you on your shoulder and say sorry we made a mistake you better go you shouldn't be here but that's unrealistic because we can't get everything right a hundred percent of the time it's unattainable for mere mortals so that's one i don't know if you want me to go through of them yeah yeah go for it, because please, please because the if you stop I was now ask was around the five archetypes of imposter yes so yeah yeah beautifully so, onto where i wanted to go yeah yeah definitely so is of course the wrong way to do things um and then the second one called um the natural genius and the natural genius actually for do if anybody knows the work of carol dweck she is the person who coined the phrase who wrote about growth and fixed mindset. It comes from her work, um, educational psychologist. Um, so it is very similar to the fixed mindset, the natural genius. And so the natural genius type is all about ease and speed. So things don't come quickly to you, then you feel as if you're a failure. So you need to be able to launch that business successful straight out the gates. If you are learning something new at uni, it work you need to get it very quickly and if you don't that means you don't really have a talent for it it's the writer who one day has a bit of a writer's block and goes oh I must be a terrible writer I'm useless I shouldn't be writing whereas everybody in reality is going to have it's unrealistic to think you have to get things right first time very quickly and if it doesn't come then you, you know if it, with this the where I say it ties into the fixed mindset is the idea that there is a fixed amount of talent and it's fixed and you can't develop it over time and of course we know that's not true um effort always talent always attracts, um talent at the end of the day and then the third one is the experts and so the experts are pretty much um obsessed with knowledge they feel that in order to be um uh competent they have to be able to answer every single question their knowledge has to be absolutely pristine. If somebody asks them a question and then that means they're probably not competent and they shouldn't be there. So they get obsessed with taking extra courses. Of course, what this means is that your goal always take much longer because you have to do all this additional studying. So instead of going, well, I'm I've already got a lot here, I could probably launch that business. You think, no, 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 I better go do that business degree. I better go do I can't possibly do this until I get all this other stuff. So very much get 
equipped with um, with credentials and qualifications. Ironically, it's called the expert, but but this type would never call themselves an expert because it makes them too vulnerable because they believe that they could be just a chink in their armor, knowledge armor, prove that they're not competent. Uh, the fourth type is the soloist. And the soloist mm. is someone who cannot ask for help. They feel if they have to ask for help, they're not competent. They have to do everything by themselves. And it could be, uh, you know, unrealistic, in terms of it might not even be you asking for help. This is something that I used to, I used to work in electrical engineering uh, many years ago before I trained, retrained as a psychotherapist. And I, I used to do things like not ask for help on projects when it wasn't about me, the fact that I needed more staff. But if I asked for more staff, that meant that I wasn't competent in some way. So it can some, you know, affect your work in many ways where it's not just about you asking for help, but it's like, in that case, where people, you know, the project hadn't hadn't been given enough staff, I still couldn't say because that would be me asking for help. So, you know, it can affect your health. It can affect all sorts of things if you're trying to do everything yourself. So that's the fourth one. And then the fifth one is the superwoman, man, super student, who doesn't. It's it can sometimes be used with the list, um, but with this type, you know, the perfectionist often um, directs it at just area of their life their work or their studies or whatever it is the superwoman's man super student it's in every aspect of their life they feel that they have to multiple things in order for them to feel competent and of course social media uh doesn't help this type at all because you look at social media and it looks like everybody is you know not only being the best the best parent but they're also starting a non-profit and they've got a success business and they've got all these things um that they look like they're doing masterfully and of course you know that's not true but it's like you can't just be you can't just um be a, you know take up a little cooking you have to be almost a michelin star chef in the kitchen you have to be the best friend imaginable so sustainable you might be able to do things well all together for a short period of time be masterful at absolutely everything in your life it's it's just sustainable or attainable for, for normal people so those are the five main types mm, fascinating it's interesting that's where i wanted to lead and you went there anyway so that's good news i mean i guess the the hero can also be titled the overachiever as well someone that continuously overachieves as well so let's um Let's dial back a little bit if we can. So we'll lead this on to how this affects speaking shortly. But I think where where does imposter syndrome stem from? Are there kind of like from the research, are there contributing factors? Are you just born with it in your genes or there's stuff that happened to you in life? Like what is it that causes imposter syndrome? And tend, does it tend to start in formative years between zero to seven or is it something you develop in the later life? Love yeah, so, so most of imposter syndrome it's like um the situation itself is not going to cause imposter syndrome you know there's some classic things that we know can bring it on like often if the first person in your family to go to university or you're the first female ceo of a company or whatever the, these things are classic triggers that can syndrome. It's a little bit like I always use the analogy, like it's a bit like if you were a partner and you went to a party and they were speaking to someone, you know, for the evening and a 
jealousy in you. Now, jealousy could only be triggered if insecurity existed there first. These situations that are causing the imposter syndrome are only triggering a deeper um, fear belief within you that already exists there. It may have been laying dormant and the situation then just brings it to the surface. But usually it's to do with early development. It's to do with core beliefs that you hold, often just negative beliefs that we hold about ourselves. So you may not speak up in your meeting at well, I don't want to seem stupid because I might not be able to answer that question because and you might not know the answer. And so you don't speak up because you say, I don't want to seem stupid. It's wrong, but it's because really underneath a core belief or a negative is I don't want to speak up because I am stupid. But not because you are, it's because often these imprints that happen in our early years, it can be imprinted from something that's happened no evidence to say that you're stupid, but because you are a little child, you create a story around what's happening to you. And so something might have happened where you created a belief that I am stupid or I'm not as good or I'm not worthy or the world is a dangerous Lots of beliefs that are not based in any truth or evidence, but they're part of our inner identity, not even really aware of. So something's probably happened in your early childhood it might not be that anybody's ever said anything to you. It's that you've created a belief out of something that happened. Hmm. Excellent. We'll go to one more question, then we'll have a quick commercial break, and we'll come back. Jose, what's your question? I know you've got one. I've got many. This topic is incredible, Colleen, and I've heard you speak before on Clubhouse. You've been to our rooms and really, really enjoy it. Thank you very much for sharing all of these great insights. Now, the next thing would be you sharing this and it's impacting definitely beliefs, something we decided to believe consciously or unconsciously, and then it impacted who we are today or who we are at that moment, which can be contextual as well. So a person with that description, just what you share, what would you say? Because I always like, you know, practical tips as well. Is there anything people can do if I believe, okay, I'm not great at speaking and I still don't know what the reason is for it, but that's just the answer that comes comes to mind every time I'm a, I, I've been asked a question, for example. What would you say to that person? What what can they do? Yeah, so there could be two two things going on. Um, one could be, you know, that it's negative. A lot of these beliefs that we have, we're not conscious of at all. We're not we're not conscious of the beliefs. They they're buried, and we don't have any awareness of it. It could be a is say for instance and you might not remember it um because sometimes these things memory of these things but something could have happened when you were a child like say for instance you were old and you got asked to stand up and read out of your school and as you stood up you uh, fell or you stumbled over your words or something happened and the clock laughed at you your brain in that moment created a that Speaking in front of people, what do I know about it? Our brain is a pattern matching organ, so it will store that. So it's about pattern matching that similarities. And so when you are then about to speak in front of a group of people, maybe years later at work, suddenly your brain looks back into the archive of what have I stored about this? I've got stored of speaking in front of large groups of people is potentially threatening, don't do it. And so off the 
fight and flight response. So something like that could have happened to you um, that makes you of speaking in public or or that's just one example. It could be lots of other things. Hmm. Or it's something else to do with a deeper belief, a core belief that got created as a child about or worth or that type of thing. So there's two scenarios of how that could it is really about figuring that out, but it's also um, the other one can do about finding where the belief is and what the belief is, is if you, in your situation, um, whatever that may be, because we're not, we don't feel imposter syndrome in every situation. There might be things that you feel really confident about, and it only shows up in work in a certain place. So it only shows up when you are doing sport or whatever. It doesn't show up in every so you imagine yourself in your imposter situation. Maybe it's trying to speak up in the meeting at work. And then you close your eyes and you imagine in that scenario would be the worst thing you could hear. Is it you st- is it that everyone laughs at you? What what is the worst thing that you possibly here in that situation and that would kind of start to give you an idea about what the belief underlying it is about because often we don't think about that we just know avoid it we don't think we don't really we don't really think deeper about what it is actually what would be the worst thing and that would give you an indicator of really what it's about the other things Mm. that you can do deeper from that point but that's a start so Amazing, taking Colleen, to extremities and getting people to almost do a cognitive rehearsal of extremity and then dialing back from there. Is that yeah, and also uh, yeah, and also what it is about as well as connecting to the feeling. So the really important thing when we are trying to facilitate change, we do that by connecting to the emotion because you can rationalize and you can be logic about, logical about lots of things. That doesn't form change. We change through emotion that's the energy that gets us to change and so you need to connect to what is the feeling so say the feeling is that you get this deep fear so another little another little uh little um thing is once you've connected to the feeling so you get your your worst case scenario and it's like oh my god yes it would be someone stupid how would that feel you connect to the emotion of what that feels like and then another little part to it where you follow the emotion back and so you remember the last time you felt and you you remember the scenario and then you maybe go back to an earlier time. Maybe you were, I don't know, in high school or something like that. And you keep on memory with the emotion because the thing that ties a pattern together is the emotion. The situation is different, but the emotion is the same. And then you sit with the emotion. And I know this sounds a little bit out there, but what you do is you hold on to the emotion and you now close your eyes and you say, holding the intention, show me the source of this. I want to I want to see what the source is and see what comes up. Sometimes people get very, very early memories come up. Situations when they were four, five years old, where something some your parents said something or uh, somebody at nursery did something to you and things can come up when where this belief got imprinted that I'm stupid or I'm not good or I'm not lovable or whatever it's the emotion that's going to take you there to find out what it's about and then you can see the lie that it actually is I love that that's fantastic we'll be right back in fact we're not going anywhere but let's just quickly break this up 
listening to the Public Speaking Expert podcast and we release an episode every Saturday. So make sure that you subscribe, you comment. And of course, if you comment and send us a picture of it on the Elliot and Jose show on Instagram, we will send you a copy of my book, Speak Influence, Sell on the House, if you send a picture of your comment because we just love sharing. And of course, this episode is sponsored by the Ultimate Presentation Checklist. So make sure you go to speakexpress.co.uk forward slash presentation hyphen checklist where you can get places to get booked, podcasts to get interviewed on and the ultimate checklist for when you get booked, what to ask the people booking you and therefore you can get paid and also show up in excellence. Today we're interviewing Colleen and she's talking about overcoming imposter syndrome and what an incredible episode we are having. I feel like we could go on for three to four hours with what we're learning here today and we've had the pleasure of having Colleen in our room as well uh, on Clubhouse and she is a powerhouse when it comes to it. Colleen, you do you still run your rooms on Clubhouse uh, that you to do? So um, we'll let you plug all. Perfect. We'll let you give a massive plug towards the end because I've been in that room and it's incredible the insight and the what Colleen shares. And I I just suggest, highly suggest you chat to Colleen and connect with her if you've got anything to do with imposter syndrome. So we talked about connecting to the emotion. We talked about so in essence, we need to change the emotion to change the imposter syndrome, right? As well as look at the the cognitive aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, but, doing the, the connecting to the emotion is finding usually the root to the pattern of the where root. the pattern started. The root, it was what I call a root pattern, um, a core belief. So you can understand where the imprint is. So that will help with that. And then you can start seeing it for the untruth that it is. So from a speaking point of view, if we dial this back to the, the podcast, so obviously you've got the speakers that have imposter syndrome, so they won't get on stage in case they're found out. What you're saying is there's equally the speakers that won't stop studying speaking because they need to be the best speaker they can possibly mm. be, and they'll ne- but they'll never truly go for it, but they'll keep studying it if we're looking at arch- archetypes. Yes. Then there's the one that has to master all elements of speaking because they, they're the superhero speaker, right? Um, and then there's the ones that just, they refuse to have any mentorship or coaching because they can do it alone and they've got to do it alone because accepting any form of guidance is asking for help. Right. So have you ever had anyone that's come to you like, Oh, I'm not sure I can really (laughs) work with this person. I know fundamentally as a therapist, you never believe that because you wouldn't be a therapist or you wouldn't be a coach, but is there someone you're like, Oh my God. But then when you crack them, it's like, you know, chalk and cheese. Yes, I mean, you know, you get more challenging people. But, you know, uh, there isn't anybody who I've thought I can't, I just possibly can't work. That's never happened to me. I'm not saying it won't happen in the future. Somebody who's come who I thought um, I can't help in any way because everybody can be helped. Everybody yeah. can, as long as they're willing to um put the work in i think sometimes can lay is when people think you're going to be able to just fix them and you're going to come to their come to see you and they're going to sit in your chair and you're going to major wave a magic wand they're going to be okay doesn't work that way of course it's up to the person and i can only guide and direct and you know so i use the analogy of you know they in the driving seats i'm in the passenger seats and i've got the show them route to go in the shortest mm-hmm. amount of time, but they have to do the drive. And so when people expect me to do the driving, that's where there's a bit of education around <laughs> that needs. Yeah. 
Um, but if people are willing to do the work, everybody can, everybody can check and, you know, get to where they want to be. But sometimes that's also facing the truth. Um, and that can be difficult for people. Sometimes people don't want to face their fears or their or, you know, the truth that lies below, you know, they, they don't. And, 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 you know, that's because everybody is on their own path in their own journey and they'll get the time is right for them. Jose. Colleen, Colleen, what is the quickest mindset shift, if you like, that you've experienced when working with someone? in terms of specifically imposter syndrome? Yeah, so so mindset itself, if we think about what mindset is, mindset is really just a set of beliefs. And so you can change beliefs very quickly. For some people, once again, it can be a much longer journey. But for some people, it can even just be the exercise that I told you. Seen people have massive shifts by them realizing the root of where this beliefs come from, and suddenly they have an awakening of, oh my god, this is just, this is just nonsense, and it can change like that. It can change as quickly as that when the the, the curtain is pulled back and they see the nonsense that their belief is based on. Um, that can have an enormous effect. So I've seen that happen very quickly for some people. Thank you very much for that, because I would love the audience listening to this to then pay attention because it can happen as quickly as Colleen mentioned. So yeah. bear that in mind. And one more question, Colleen. What would you say is the difference that makes a difference when it comes to overcoming imposter syndrome? Um, the difference is, I, I, so once again, it's taking... It's taking responsibility for the work. It's um, it, it it's it's sometimes you know it's going down deep into places that's difficult for people. Mm. So it's that willingness that makes the difference, and the speed as well. I would say that is the biggest the the biggest factor is how to jump in and not be scared. You know, uh, be be courageous. Face. Amazing. It is our responsibility then. Thank you very much for that, Colleen. I love that. Perfect. So uh, before we wrap this up, would you just, because I hear me, there must be severity levels, just like there's archetypes. There must be severity levels, right? There's people that it's crippling for, and then there's people where it's just light. Um, And what you're saying is as long as you're courageous and you're willing, whatever level you're at, you can overcome it probably a lot quicker than you think. So a lot of it is is the story we're telling ourselves: it's going to be hard, it's going to be tough, I'm not sure I can do it, um, versus being willing to trust the process and allow yourself to land where you need to land when you land. Would you say yes. that's about right? Yeah, absolutely. And remembering that a lot of things, they're just automations and programs running to keep us safe, you know? Um its main purpose is for our survival is to keep and so it doesn't want to keep reinventing the wheel it will learn what it's dangerous or scary or whatever it is and then it will be constantly referring back and so our brain just runs automations we think we're coming to a situation in a brand new way but we're just rerunning an old 
belief in old automation of what do I understand about speaking in public? Oh, I'm really scared about this. I had a, a, an experience when I was four, five, 10, whatever it is, I'm going to rerun that. So it's about breaking those the way the brain is also stored um, the, and the pattern of that so that it doesn't just keep on repeating the same reaction creates a brand new response rather than just an automation from the past so that the other thing i just want to as well um, think is very important for people to understand is that a lot of our behaviors like procrastination self-sabotage hold all of these behaviors all of this also can come out of imposter syndrome it's not the only reason procrastinate or something but a lot of these behaviors they're there to protect us mechanisms none of these behaviors developed to harm us but if you think your biggest fear is being found out that you now can't do this thing or you're not as good as other people think you are you will create behaviors to yourself from that being found out if you like and that's where these behaviors come from as well and so if you're procrastinating on your your public speaking or whatever it is a natural thing that comes out of behavior that will come out of imposter syndrome to protect you basically Right. So before we uh, invite you to give yourself uh, a shout out where people connect with you, follow you, etc. Do you find working with the hero archetypes, they deal with it really quickly? See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's all, it's all pretty much the same. It's, you know, <laughs> each, each person, what they bring, um, it's going to be very unique to each person. Um, you can't really, you can't really tell how long. <laughs> Excellent. So, Colleen, this has been, oh, my God, honestly, I really feel like we can keep going, keep going. People want to reach out to you, connect with you, where they need to go. Please share everything and anything you'd like to share. And um, over to you. Thank you. So, yeah, so I'm on, I'm on Clubhouse most mornings, um, Tuesday to Friday. I used to Monday to Friday, but I'm giving myself Mondays off nowadays. I wasn't there this past week because I had COVID, but I will be back um, tomorrow. And I do all sorts of rooms, um, not just on imposter syndrome. I do rooms on things like procrastination and self-sabotage, but also inner child healing, because that's often what this is all about, is to heal those those um, those wounds from our childhood. So um, you can find me on Clubhouse, but I'm also um, launching a new membership in January. It's called the Self-Actualize Academy. And so I'm very mm -hmm. excited about that because we will be covering all the stuff. In order to self-actualize, we have to heal and we have to let go of these core beliefs that are keeping us um, you know, from moving forward. And so that's what the Academy is all about. And so I'd love to see people in that. If they want to find out more, they can email me. I've got a wait list as well that people can join so that when the Academy goes live, um, they can they can uh, be notified, basically. Um, so those Where are the, do they the, go to find out? So I've got a link that I can give you um, for the actual wait list. And it's got a little bit of description about what the Academy will be about. Um, and so I can give you the link to that wait list as well. Great. We'll put that in the, the comments then. In the comments? In the show notes. Comments. Show notes. Show notes. Excellent. Thank you for that. And your Instagram handle and where people... Yeah, my Instagram ha handle is um, uh, Detox Your Mind. Unfortunately, a lot of my, in, my, a lot of my social media uh, stuff, it's not all called the same thing, which is a bit confusing for people. I need to start aligning it all. So my, my 
detox your mind. Uh, but you can find me as well. If you just Google Colleen Sedano, I have a couple of different websites on there. If you Google my name, a lot will come up. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So thank you for coming. It's been deep. It's been insightful. So before we hand it over to Jose for last words, here's what I want to say to everybody listening. Understand that your journey is unique and understand courage shows up in different ways. As does imposter syndrome, if you think that you might have it, test, find out, speak to an expert, speak to Colleen. They can tell you yes or no. If it's no, great news. If it's yes, then you can be guided through. There's no shame. There's no weakness in asking for help. And there's no end goal to becoming a better you. So just remember, whatever you are and wherever you are, it starts with the first step. Jose, over to you. Colleen, thank you so much again for an incredible episode. People listening to this, take action. Do something with this knowledge. Remember, the application of knowledge is the most powerful thing. And take ownership. If you think you fall within any of these archetypes that have been shared, Remember, take ownership and look for help, look for support. And as Colleen mentioned, change can be just being there waiting for you. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you so much, Colleen Sorano. Connect with Colleen, connect with Elliot, connect with myself. Most importantly today, it's about Colleen. So thank you very much. And keep on listening to this Public Speaking Experts podcast. Thank you very much, everybody. Woo! You've been listening to the Public Speaking Experts Podcast with Elliot Kay and Jose Ucar. Follow us on Instagram and join us next week for even more. Remember to always speak your greatness. Subscribe, rate, and comment.